Tuesday, March the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Nicolas Sarkozy sentenced and protests in Armenia. First, the world in brief. A French court sentenced Nicolas Sarkozy, a former president, to three years in prison for corruption and influence peddling. He was found guilty of trying to bribe a judge in 2014 with a job in Monaco in exchange for information about another case involving his campaign finances. But Mr. Sarkozy is unlikely to become the first former president to serve a custodial sentence. He will appeal against his conviction and anyway, two years are suspended and he may choose to spend the third tagged at home. Canada followed Germany in advising against use of the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine on citizens who are 65 or older for want of more evidence about its safety and efficacy. Conversely, France changed tack and recommended it for people up to the age of 75, swayed by encouraging data from Britain. With other vaccines in mind, China announced plans to inoculate 40% of its population by June. In less happy news, a study of the so-called Brazilian variant of the coronavirus found it to be both more transmissible and more likely to evade antibodies built up by a previous infection. A United Nations report blamed Russia for the attempted killing of Alexei Navalny, an opposition leader, and urged an international investigation. EU leaders approved sanctions against four Russian officials, the first under the bloc's new regime for punishing human rights violations, and America is reported to be announcing its own imminently. Mr. Navalny was transferred to a prison notorious for its harsh conditions. Anti-government protesters stormed a government building in Yerevan, Armenia's capital, calling for the country's prime minister to resign. The army has also demanded that Nikol Pashinyan step down, which he regards as an attempted coup. Demonstrators accuse him of being soft on neighbouring Azerbaijan after a recent peace deal ceded its territory surrounding the disputed Nagorno-Karabakh region. The euro area's factory output accelerated during February. The IHS market purchasing managers index for European manufacturing rose to a three-year high of 57.9, much higher than the figure of 50 that separates expansion from contraction. A strong reading for Italy and upward revisions for France and Germany helped to produce a better-than-forecast result for the bloc overall. Credit Suisse suspended investment funds worth $10 billion linked to Greensill, a supply chain financing firm backed by SoftBank, a Japanese tech investor. The funds were hit by defaults last year after several clients collapsed or suffered accounting scandals. Reports suggest that insurance policies covering defaults in a portion of Credit Suisse's assets lapsed over the weekend, triggering the decision to suspend the funds. And Zoom announced that its revenue more than quadrupled in 2020 compared with the year before. The video conferencing firm's Anus Mirabilis brought in $2.7 billion, trouncing analysts' already high expectations. Such bumper growth may be its last for a while, however, as offices and classrooms gradually reopen and people start talking face to actual face again. And now, here's today's agenda. Ballot initiative, voting rights at SCOTUS. 
Today, America's Supreme Court considers rules that may make it harder for some Arizonans to vote. The focus is Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which bars voting practices that result in a denial or abridgment of the right of any citizen to vote on account of race or color. Democrats say rules barring ballot collection and discounting ballots submitted in the wrong precinct in Arizona are racially charged tools to suppress minority votes. Republicans deny this. They argue that Section 2 does not permit lawsuits based only on discriminatory effects. The voting rules in question may have a less dramatic impact than detractors suggest. Even the Biden administration is not contesting them. But if Brnovich v. Democratic National Committee weakens Section 2, eight years after the court scrapped another discrimination policing tool in the VRA, it could pave the way for a host of onerous voting restrictions states are rushing to pass in the wake of the 2020 election. Soldiers v. Protesters, Myanmar's War of Attrition It was the bloodiest day since the coup. On Sunday, Burmese soldiers fired into crowds of demonstrators across the country, killing 18 people and injuring scores more. Tens of thousands of protesters have been gathering on the streets in the weeks since February 1st, when the army toppled the civilian government and arrested Aung San Suu Kyi, the country's de facto leader. The junta, which alleges that the election her party won was riddled with fraud, has annulled the result and charged Ms. Suu Kyi with four crimes, among them improperly importing walkie-talkies. Infamous for its brutal repression of past democracy protests, the army had responded to protests with relative restraint, using water cannon and rubber bullets. But with thousands of workers on strike bringing the economy to a standstill, the junta's patience is wearing thin. Security forces are evincing greater willingness to use lethal force, yet despite the bloodshed, protesters show no sign of backing down. Window Dressing – Turkey's Human Rights Plan In recent years, Turkey has not been an enthusiastic supporter of human rights. Since 2016, following an abortive coup, tens of thousands of bureaucrats, teachers and Kurdish activists have been rounded up by police, often on flimsy charges. With Joe Biden in the White House, Turkey is talking the talk to mend its reputation. Today, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan will unveil a new human rights action plan. No one is holding their breath. Promises of democratic reform have come and gone over the past few years, with nothing to show for them. Turkey ignores rulings from the European Court of Human Rights, including those demanding the release of Osman Kavala, a businessman and philanthropist, and Selahattin Demirtas, a leading Kurdish politician. As long as the country's two most recognizable political prisoners remain behind bars, Mr Erdogan's plan will not be worth the paper it's written on. Great Expectations – Inflation in Europe All eyes will be on today's figures for inflation in the euro area. Last month's figures made inflation-averse Germans in particular very anxious. In January, consumer price inflation in the bloc hit an 11-month high of 0.9%, up from minus 0.3% in December. 
The jump was driven by a combination of one-off factors, such as a 3.8% increase in energy costs, rather than a revival in underlying demand, as many of the bloc's shops, restaurants and entertainment venues remained closed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Consumer prices jumped especially sharply in Germany, the zone's largest economy, where a temporary reduction in sales taxes was phased out on December 31st. Today's rise is likely to be modest. The real test will be the reopening of economies as prices in sectors hit hard by social distancing, such as hotels and package holidays, are likely to jump, thanks to pent-up demand. Ray of Light FBI Director Testifies Christopher Wray, the FBI's director, will testify before Congress today for the first time since the storming of the Capitol building on January 6th. Committees in the House of Representatives and Senate have been holding hearings into security lapses around the attack. On February 23rd, they heard from the former top security officials in each chamber. Security remains tight around the Capitol, and last week Yogananda Pittman, acting chief of the Capitol Police, warned Congress that the threat from domestic terrorists remains high. The Biden administration has promised to increase attention on the threat from domestic extremism. The Justice Department has announced sizable grants to help state and local governments fight domestic extremism, though lawmakers remain divided over the proper focus. Republicans want more attention paid to the threat from Antifa, an array of anti-fascist activists and others they regard as left-wing extremists, while Democrats want to focus on the types who attacked the Capitol. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mikhail Gorbachev, who was born on this day in 1931. Dangers await only those who do not react to life. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.